Okay. Well, that's a great song. I love that last song. That's such a good one. You can't chew gum at the same time and sing that song, though. Boy, that's a, that's a wordy song, but I love what it has to say, and it's a challenging song. How's everybody doing tonight? Did you get a good nap? How many take Sunday afternoon naps? Yeah, I, me too. Uh, I've told folks I don't take naps. I just go home and die, and then I get resurrected and come back to church. But that's been my pattern for a lot of years on Sunday afternoons. But it's a good nap. Had a good lunch. Sure appreciated the lunch today. And Brother Carr took us around and showed us, guys, your property. Have you all seen all that you've got and all the buildings and all the classrooms and everything that's going on here? It's amazing, really, what the Lord. I, I know I said it this morning, but I hadn't seen it all. And it is just really amazing what God hath done. And truly, that, that it really is such a blessing that uh, we got to go around and look at that. You can be finding your Bibles if you want to look. Um, we're not going to stand yet, but we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6. You want to find your place there? Man, you talked about, I hadn't heard chicken and dumplings in a long time. I want his address. I, I want to go visit him because he's so sick. That's, what I, that's why I want to go over there. Yeah, yeah. Test out those chicken and dumplings. Yeah, mom, and, mom used to make chicken and dumplings back home. And back home, she was from Kentucky. And, uh, oh, man, those were real good. Vet's got a real nice chicken and dumpling story she'll have to tell you uh, sometime. We had chicken and dumpling. She, she dropped all the dough down in the pot. It was just formed into one big fat dumpling on the top. But it's still good. That was a great chicken and dumpling. <laughs> Amen. I know I told you this morning um, that... that um, I was from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, pastored up there for 40 years. I was five years, five years of those I was an assistant pastor, 35 as their pastor. And man, it's amazing the things that um, you remember when uh, you look backwards at all the things that uh, God did. And then some of the things that you just don't always tell everybody, but I'll tell one of those things that I remember I was in my office and if this, was, if this happened to be our church, uh, it was like a Tuesday afternoon, morning, or whatever it was. All the lights were off in the auditorium. I was in my office, which was back there, and I needed a pamphlet, and I'm like, where can I get one? I remembered they were under the pulpit, and I'm like, ah, i got to run in there and grab one of those and come back. I can't remember what I needed it for. But I, I came in, didn't want to turn all the lights on the auditorium, so I took my phone out, turned on a little flashlight, walked in, came up the stairway, and uh, sure enough, there was those pamphlets I needed, yeah, and I walked over to the steps. I'm still holding the flashlight out. And I'm like, I don't need that. I can see aisles right there. So I click the flashlight off. And I stepped down the first step. And I kind of, when you go down the steps, you, I was in a hurry. I kind of was uh, half trotting, going down the steps. And went straight down the aisle. And I ran right square into the first pew. And somehow I lost my perspective. Uh, once I turned that light off. It's amazing the perspective that goes away when you don't have light, and that's a spiritual uh, connotation as well as physical. I hit that pew so hard, I was jogging, and I hit it. You do one of those, oh, and you go laying over the top of the, the uh, arm of the pew there. Man, I stood back up. I had the biggest bruise on my gut, and I said, I've got to be the only preacher in the world that's given himself a C-section in his own auditorium. I did. The only thing is that they didn't take the baby, but I, man, that was, uh, that was one of my memories and lots of different things 
I remember I was sitting right where this brother is right here. What's your last names, by the way? Hudson. The Hudsons are here. Good to have you. I sat there where the Hudsons are, me and my wife, while a missionary was preaching. Had my legs crossed, you know, just really intent with everything. And, and uh, apparently I didn't realize I'd had my leg crossed the whole time he was presenting and giving his sermon. And all of a sudden he was done. And he says, Brother Spencer, I'll turn it over to you. Oh, okay. Then I, I threw my leg down. I was, had my legs crossed. I threw my leg down and stood up. And what I didn't know was the leg I had crossed was sound asleep. It had not woke up yet from its nap. And I stepped out into that aisle. And, you know, when you try to walk and nothing is there, you feel nothing. So I took off with the good leg, and that next leg was like I was dragging a log behind me. And I'd kind of, I got to the steps. I'm like, how am I going to get up these steps? People are watching me. I know they thought something was weird. And you just kind of fling your leg like that, you know, and kind of fling it up onto the first step. Ugh, so embarrassing, some of the things that uh, when, let me just put it, uh, say this. I used that for years with this illustration. When uh, only part of the body is working, you kind of got to drag the rest of it along. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense with the church? We're all part of the body of Christ here, aren't we? Amen. And I hope we're all active parts of the body of Christ. Hopefully you're one of those uh, good strong legs that hasn't fallen asleep in church and you're, you're ready to do something for the Lord and watch God use you in the manner that God wants to. Tonight's passage of scripture as we head into that, uh, kind of parallels a little bit of that, talks about, uh, you know, the, the cutting edge of a Christian's life. Am I still amounting to something in the work of God? Am I still usable in the work of God? And is, is the Lord pleased with how I, I'm really uh, living my life for Him? And if you look with me, I want to talk tonight, uh, title of my message is The Mirac Miraculous Restoring of the Axe Head. Remember that story in the Old Testament? 2 Kings 6, why don't you stand with me if you're able to. If you're not able, that's not a problem at all. We're in 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm going to read those first seven verses. Man, this was such a story for me when I was a little old fifth grader in uh, Sunday school class, and the teacher would teach those lessons, you know, with the uh, Old Testament stories. And I, I love this story, but boy, there's such meaning to it, and hopefully we can gain something from it here tonight. Follow along in verse 1. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight. It's narrow or we're too tight. We need a little more room. It's too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content. I pray thee and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. Verse 4. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, that big Jordan River, they cut down wood. But as one was felling, one of the young men was felling a beam. The axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. My goodness, how I remember that story. And as a little kid, my mind just went, imagination went wild, thinking about, 
you know iron doesn't float in water. And the Bible even describes it as having swamp, swam, swum. The axe head did swim, came up to the surface, and man, my mind was just rushing. I love that story. Verse 7 says, Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. What a story. Let's pray and we'll get into the message. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us come to church again tonight. Sure good to be with your people again. And uh, to, to have such a good spirit and uh, to enjoy the fellowship, Lord, has been so good. And as we take one last look at the Word of God tonight, I'm asking you, will you bless the preaching of your Word? Would you help us to see the principles that are contained in these thoughts here tonight and help us to apply it? And please, may you be glorified and honored in all that's said and done. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. How many guys here have used an axe? You've chopped with an axe or a hatchet, even a, a hatchet. You've chased someone with a hatchet. Let's see. Let's see those hands. Okay, good. Nobody like that. Boy, I, uh, my dad would let me borrow the axe and we'd go back and there was a woods behind our house and I'd go back there and we'd chop up some wood and we didn't have a fireplace or anything, but it's precarious how you use an axe. Really, you really got to know what you're doing and it, you, it requires maintenance just like anything else in life that you use much, it requires maintenance. And if you don't take care to maintain an axe, you can get into a lot of trouble, and so can the guy standing in front of you if you're using an axe. We'll go into that a little bit here tonight and consider it for just a few minutes. First thing we want to see here tonight in this text is uh, the disciples of Elisha. Now remember you had the prophet Elijah. He came first. We're talking about those guys here today at lunchtime. Was it Elijah or Elisha that was first? And the way I remembered who's first is the Elijah comes before the Sha, J and S. It's how I have remembered that. So, yeah. Anyway, so here's Elijah. And they're, um, you've got them uh, realizing that they need to expand their building. One of the young men said, hey, the place where we're at is too straight or narrow for us. We're all starting to clamor in here. And any man with any kind of desire for the things of God... Guys, he would have wanted to go and live with Elisha and learn the ways of God. I mean, he was such a man of God. Elisha had a burning heart for the things of God. and He had a fire in his words and in his miracles. The prophets of God, try to remember this, they were a representation of God. They were his spokesman. God would speak through, uh, give them his word. They would speak his words exactly. They were a representation of God himself. If you can rem remember that as we work our way through our, our message here tonight, it'll help you as well. But man, what a man of God. He was on fire. And there's, there's been a few men in my life that I just, I love to be around. And if I could just get around them. I even, man, if I could just ride with them on their circuit. Some evangelists that have preached at our churches I've been in. And they just they did something for my heart. And they, they took me to places in my heart that not a lot of men really did. And I loved being with those men. Elisha was just a fiery man of God. All the young men loved being with him. And they clamored around him. And he had quite this little college with him. And all these boys kept, you know, building up and building up. And, and they reached a place where that boy's dorm was pretty small. How many of you ever had to live in a boy's dorm for any length of time? Oh boy, and you know what it's like to get out of there or to have bigger quarters or whatever it is. And these guys were ready for it. And um, so 
Consequently, again, their numbers were growing. And I would just say growth is a good reason to consider an expansion program. Amen. Um, but it was going to require, listen, every man to get involved. And that was, if you'll read the wording here, it's very clear. Every one of the men were required to go uh, down to the river and chop down one of the trees or a, a big beam, as they called it, to help uh, to work with. And I would just say here tonight, somebody over the years has put a lot of axe uh, chopping into uh, a lot of the programs here at this church to look around and see what God's given to you. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears have taken place here. I have no doubt about that. And it's exciting to see that. And it takes all hands on deck. Amen. If there's something going on, be a part of it. If you say, well, I just can't do what I used to do. Well, come and encourage them. Come and tell corny jokes if that's all you can do. But come to the project and be a part of it. Provide something and just, I just don't want to be somebody that you know, and I know in some cases, guys, please understand. And as I'm aging, I'm understanding this better and better. There come some days you just cannot get out and go. Well, stay home and pray for them. Pray that God will bless. Just be a part of the program. Uh, every man, get involved in every one of your uh, projects that you've got going on. And, and it'll be a, a blessing not just to you, but the people around you as well. But one of the young men realized something. And being in Bible college, I'll, if you let me say that for these young guys, you don't go to Bible college with a lot. When I was in Bible college, <clears throat> one night I'd have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And the next night I'd have jelly and peanut butter sandwiches. Man, I knew how to mix things up, buddy. Um, there was a pecan tree uh, on the campus in Arlington. And, and I went, man, I gathered up uh, pecans and, and shelled them out. And, and uh, tuna was pretty cheap at that time. And I would mayonnaise up my bread and, and uh, put that tuna in there. And pecans in there, you ought to try that. It's pretty good if you get all the shells out. Now, other than that, it's a great sandwich. And uh, so you don't have a lot in Bible college. And here's one of these young men realized that they, they needed uh, uh, the, the, the man of God to go with them. He's going to need materials uh, to go on such a trip as this. But he stopped and thought about it. He says, you know what, if we're going to go on a trip like this, I don't want to go without the man of God the very reason we're doing what we're doing. And, and he goes to him and he says, uh, you think we could go and build us a little bigger place? And Elisha agrees, puts his stamp of approval and tells him to go. And every man, you heard the, the story, supposed to go down to the Jordan River, cut him down a beam and take it to the building site, the building program. And we're going to get this building going right away. So let me just mention here, um, We've got a picture here tonight of the Christian life. And it really is, all of us are depicted here in one way or another. Honestly, we are. Um, we're in, we are all servants in the building program of the kingdom of heaven. You've got a lot of nice buildings here, and I can't say enough about that. But there's something bigger being built here tonight than just these buildings. It's the body of believers here tonight being built up. Uh, a godly house for God that the Lord can work through and change the lives of this community around you. And boy, does God want to do that. God wants to get a hold of this body of believers, get you out into the, uh, the community here, reach somebody that you work with, get a hold of your neighbor, just get that same fire burning in your heart. We are all in a building program for God. You've got to remember that tonight. God wants to use you in whatever capacity you're able to be used. Don't be caught, you know, sitting on the sidelines when the rapture happens 
and look backwards and say, man, I wish I'd have gotten involved, done so much more for God if I only would have just uh, been busy for the Lord. You know what's amazing to me? It's just stunning that God would put us in his service. Now stop and think about that. Up in heaven, angels cry, holy, holy, holy to a great and mighty God. The seraphims and all those angels bow down before a holy God. And then he looks down here on earth and here we are. (laughs) And God says, I want to use you in my service. I want to put you in my kingdom work. I have a great job for every one of you to, to be involved in. It's just stunning that God would place us in his service. But he has. And Elisha, as I said earlier, being a type of God in this story, he's approved their work. Most importantly, yep, I'm going to go with you. Let's get this project started and they take off. How many of you ever tried to get involved in some kind of a project? And I don't care if it's something at your house. Are you trying, trying to do something here at the house of God? And you knew when you were in the middle of it, this is all me. I don't even have God with me. I'm trying to do this project without the Lord. I got in such a hurry. I'm, I'm, I'm running to try to get things done. Check off one more thing on my list. And I didn't spend time just seeking God and making sure that God was there with us. I, I prayed so hard for this, uh, this day. And I just begged that God would be there. That it wouldn't just be a man standing behind a wooden pulpit. But that God would meet with us and the Lord would do something. Every class that's ever taught. You need to pray, God, go with me. I don't want to go out on this project without you. Will you go with me? Like the young man said to Elisha, would you go? I know you're a representation of God and we need you in our our ministry and whatever it is we're doing. If I'm raising a family, God, I don't want to raise a family without you. I want my kids to know that there's a godly mom or a dad that's in the home and at our age, grandma or grandpa, that there's a godly grandma or a grandpa in their lives that spends time with God. Don't try to go and get involved in some kind of project without the Lord. And that young man went up to the prophet. Who knows, maybe he was trembling a little bit, not so sure about approaching this great man of God and said, if we're going to go on a project like this, will you go with us? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. Boy, that's good news. When you know God is on your side. I believe it was King David was in a, in a battle And God told him, now if you're going to ambush, you wait until you hear a going in the mulberry bushes overhead, and then you can go. Because that going in the mulberry bushes, that noise overhead, was God going out in front of them. And make sure you've got God out in front of you and not somewhere behind you, amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I'll go behind God and follow him everywhere he wants to take me, amen. So, guys, your greatest need tonight, no matter who you are, or what you're doing for God, is for God to go with you in your service for Him. Again, I know what it's like to serve God without His guidance. And it's the most miserable Christian service you will ever do. Doing something without the Lord. You know, Psalm 127.1 tells us, Except the Lord build the house. You know this verse? What happens? They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city... The watchman waketh but in vain. And it's so true uh, tonight. So whatever you do in service for God, guys, first of all, be sure you have God's hand on it. Amen. You wake up in the morning before you walk out that door, make sure you're walking with God. My devotional life, almost every morning before I get going, I just say, God, this is me, the end of my devotions. This is me 
holding out a hand and asking, will you take me and walk me through this day? Guide me in everything I do. Number two, the next thing you notice, sadly, if you're going to go chop down some wood, uh, is to notice you don't have an axe. Again, this is a Bible college kid. He doesn't have much. Uh, just whatever he could scrape together when he ran out of the house, told mom and dad, I'm going to go follow God. I'm going to do the work of the Lord. Uh, he just threw whatever knapsack he had over his back and took off. He doesn't have an axe. And being meager in their possessions, uh, this servant had to go somewhere and borrow the axe. You ever had to borrow something from somebody and, and it was a valuable possession? You say, well, an axe is an axe. Not in that day, guys. You got something that's iron, that's made out of iron in that day, back then. It's a very valuable uh, instrument, uh, tool that was being used. And to ask, can I borrow your axe? You know, the thing that you chop all your wood down for the entire winter and cook with and do all those things with. Without that thing, you couldn't do all those things. That thing, can I borrow your axe? And somehow he found a good enough friend and said, yeah, you can borrow my axe. I'm sure he said things like, just make sure you bring it back in good condition. Just be sure you take good care of it now. Oh, I will. You know the story. Oh, I, I promise you, I'll, I'll take care of your car, Dad, if I can borrow the car for the, the weekend. I'll, I'll take real good care of that. And you have the best intentions. And so did this young man. But he was missing some things that he didn't realize. We'll get into that here as we work on down through here. Guys, the axe head has the cutting edge to enable the young man to do his work. And you understand without a sharp cutting edge, you're not going to get the job done or you're going to chop and chop on a tree all day long and not get anything done. And I would say this tonight, this is a clear picture of the influence, the power of God on the life of every Christian. That's, I believe that's what it is a, a picture of. It's the cutting edge in the Christian's life. It's what and allow me to keep using Sunday school or whatever arena you stand up in front of some people in front of. It's what works through you and into the life of somebody else and changes their life. It's what chops away the unlikenesses of Jesus in someone's life and comes away usable and, and is part of the, the, uh, the program of God. It's, it's what has enabled you to do some things for the Lord in your lifetime. Look backwards on your Christian life. Think about it. And though you may not think maybe not very highly of yourself, I don't know what your thoughts are about yourself, but if you'll think about it, think of those times God has used you and the people that you have been able to influence in their lives and, and people when you step into heaven, and I know we won't know the whole story till we get there, but think about the people that are going to be in heaven that one day, going to walk up to you and say, you don't know what your faithfulness to God meant to me. You don't know when you stood and taught that lesson or when you took me off to the side and counseled with me or when you just went out for lunch with me one day. You'll never know the influence that you had in my life. There was just something about you that I didn't get from my other friends and uh, even my own parents in some cases. And there's something about you that helped shape my life for God. That cutting edge in the Christian life is what enables us to do a work for God that helps what I do to not be in vain. For me to stand up here and try to preach a message on my own 
and try to pound out the word of God without God working in my life is, is vain. Nothing's going to get done for God unless the cutting edge of God is at work in and through our hearts and in our lives here tonight. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he said, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And the reason Paul got so much work done for God, so many beams, so to speak, cut for God, so many people that were serving the Lord after he would leave every town that he was a part of, was because he had a cutting edge to his life. And he knew that the cutting edge was not his wisdom. It was not what I can muster up and how, or how I can really impress people with my talents. Paul said, all that stuff I counted as, remember what he called it? Dung. And the only thing that mattered in his life was that God was at work in his heart. God was doing something in his life. And he made us aware of that. One of the saddest statements I read in the Bible is when Samson had told Delilah, where his great strength lay, and she had his hair cut off. Remember the story. And when she cried that the Philistines were there, Samson, the Philistines are here, he jumped up like before, remember, to go out after those wicked Philistines. And here's Judges 16, 20. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. Remember this last sentence? And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He lost his axe head. He no longer had his cutting edge in his life. He no longer had that influence and power of God to do those great miraculous things that only God could do through a man. He lost that. Listen, the talents and the influence you have for the cause of Christ did not come from you, friend. It was borrowed. Do you understand that? You got it from somebody else. That young man stood there and thought, I, I, I don't have an axe. I don't have what it takes to cut a beam down. Hey, friend, one of your greatest days is going to be when you stop and realize, I don't have what it takes to do the work of God. If I'm going to do God's work, if God's going to use me to do some great things for Him, it's something that I've got to get from somebody else. And that somebody else is in this room here tonight. And the Lord Jesus Christ wants to empower us. He wants the cutting edge to be with every one of us tonight. He wants those kids we work with. He wants those people that we're influencing all around us to be changed for the glory of God. But you're not going to do it because you're such an impressive person. You may speak really well. I don't know. You may have a lot of talents. But unless you have the cutting edge of God working in your life, friend, you're not accomplishing anything for the work of God. Do we understand that? What we have, the power that works in us, comes from God. I've got to, and I'll use the word borrow in the sense that it's used here tonight. I have to get it from somebody other than me. You can pull yourself up by the bootstraps all you want. But you're not going to get anything done until God chooses to find a humble man or a woman that bows down before God and said, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. God told us if we'll draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. But it's just as clear he will resist the proud and withhold his blessings and the influence that we once had in his service. If we even begin to think, look at me. Hey, that wasn't too bad. I didn't do too bad today, man. 
I bet you they can't wait for me to get back up in that pulpit or whatever. I'm making things up. You understand? So back to the young prophet. Now how's he going to face that guy? Sir, I promise you I'm going to take the best care. You just let me borrow this. You're not going to be sorry. I promise you I'll bring this back to you. I'll use it. It's going to do a lot of great things, but I'm gonna, I will bring it back to you. Nice and shiny. How's he going to face that guy? And again, no doubt he had assured him in no uncertain terms he's going to take care of this axe, bring it back in good shape. But now, here's this young prophet. He heard the plop in the river. You know how you look in running water and you try to figure out where that certain spot was you saw something? The water's moving and you, you don't know exactly where it is. And the waters were deep at that time. And he's like, now what am I going to do? So, at this point, can I go into what I think happened here? You guys that have worked with an axe or even a hatchet, you know what happens after years of use. Uh, that axe head gets a little loose. You know, you drive a, a, some kind of a little wedge or a nail down in the top. It, 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 that wood tightens up uh, inside that you know, little hole here in the top, ladies. And then the axe head is a little tighter. And um, so, you know, it's starting to loosen up. He probably sensed something but didn't, maybe didn't know exactly uh, what needed to be done. After all, I've got a lot of work that needs to be done. And I'm going to keep chopping away. And I'm going to just, let me say this here tonight. When that axe head went flying off and he heard the big plop, everybody listening for a minute, you know what he could have done? Everybody's working all over the territory, probably, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 yards away from each other until they found a really good tree. He could have looked around and like, oh boy. And they just kept swinging that wooden handle and just looking like he's chopping and making the right noise, have the right moves. And from a distance, somebody looks up and glances over there. There's old Joe over there. He's still chopping away. He's getting his job done. I'm getting my job done. But old Joe's not getting his job done. He's just making it look like he's still doing what everybody else is doing. He's swinging away, but getting nothing done for God. Impressing everyone around him except God. You know, folks, we got a lot of Christians today swinging an axe handle but have long time ago lost their cutting edge with God. That very thing that they pleaded and wept and said, would you please, I don't have what it takes. I'm not going to be able to do the work of God and I'm just, I'm just a little hunk of flesh, God. And Unless you work in my life and, and you went to God broken, begging God for His power and influence, and here you've lost your power with God, not able to do anything for the Lord now. It looks good to everyone else. It sounds right. You dress just right. You're in the right place all the time, swinging away, but with no real influence, no real power of God working in your life. So he cried out to the prophet and told him what had happened and what was worse, that it didn't even belong to him. It was borrowed. I love the next point. My, our Sunday school teacher, she'd get up there and tell that sad story and all of us fifth grade boys just staring at her like, oh, it's such a sad story. And then she'd get to the last point. I love that. You saw what happened. First thing the prophet did, do you remember? He asks him, um, here, listen, where did you lose it? Where'd you lose it? 
I can just imagine that young little college-age kid and, and the man of God who represents God uh, comes up and says, well, tell me, tell me what happened. Well, here's what happened. Where'd you lose it? Oh, man, grabs him by the hand, runs over to the river. And he says, right in here somewhere is where, uh, is where I lost it. And, and you know the story that man of God cut down a, a tree limb of some sort, tossed it into the water, and the axe head did swim. And he said, now, now take it up. Go ahead and grab it. And let's get this all fixed up. And, and he did. So, after the prophet had showed him what was wrong, showed him how to get it, and brought it back to him, uh, he pointed out, pointed out where he had lost it. Uh, he came to understand that this cutting edge this young man had, again, had not come from himself, came from somebody else. And if he didn't, guys, listen, if he didn't get this power on his own, he wasn't going to get it back on his own either. This young man knew that. And, and, and he knew, I, 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 this wasn't mine in the first place. And the power and influence that I have in my life, friend, I, I didn't have it in the first place. I had to get it from somebody else. And I've had times in my life where I've lost the power of God in my life. I lost the influence of God in my life because of bad choices I made in my life and walking away from God and other things in my life. And if I didn't get it on my own the first time, I wasn't going to get it back on my own either. I can't reach down in that deep, dark waters and pull that back up. It's going to take the same one that gave it to me in the first place. Can you see this young man reaching down into the water? pulling it back up and standing there with such this look of relief on his face. And, and I, don't, I don't know, friend, if you're here tonight and uh, you maybe you're faithful to God and you, as humbly as you know how, you're trying to serve the Lord, trying to do your best. We all stumble and fall from time to time. Sure we do. That's, that's just life, isn't it? But you, maybe you get right back up and you seek God's forgiveness and cleansing and you go right back on. But maybe somewhere in your life you let your guard down. You got to a place where the axe head began to slip. You know, if you work with an axe, you can start to tell after a while. You'll drive that axe into the tree. You go to pull it out and you can feel it's loose. But you can work with it and keep tugging. It'll come loose for a while. And then it'll, it'll break loose and you can keep chopping for a while. But you can only do that for so long. Let me say this tonight. Hey, guys. You can tell when things begin to slip. You know it. You're still serving. You you're still went ahead and taught Sunday school or came to church, tried to witness, to do whatever the church is doing, and you get a little bit done for God, but you can tell something's not right. There's something in my life that I need to take care of. And if he'd have just driven a nail or two in the top of that axe and, and driven it into the wood, the wood would have swelled out. It would have held onto that axe head strongly. He could have gone on and worked. But I'm just saying tonight, guys, you know when things are starting to slip. You know when you've not taken care of business. God's begun to show you you've allowed this to get into your life. Uh, your, your cutting edge is starting to loosen up a little bit. God's been nudging you for how long, friend? And not doing anything about it? Are you wanting to be the one standing there with a stick in your hand, swinging against the, the tree trying to get something done? Listen to me. You can fool all the people around you, but you're not fooling God. 
And God knows when it's all sweat, adrenaline, and perspiration, and no spirit of God. God knows, doesn't he? He knows when it's just you and not him. How am I going to get that power back in my life? How am I going to be able to go and, and know that God's working with me and the Lord is the one that's witnessing through me and God's the one that's influencing my co-workers and my neighbors and my family members. I, I just know it is. How am I going to get that back? I don't know how to do it. But there's good news here tonight, guys. The one that knows how is in the room tonight. And God is here with that cutting edge, been waiting on you for a long, long time. Just saying, I, I, I've longed to put the axe head back on, to have influence where you can just do a greater work for God than ever before. I, I'm not saying everyone here tonight is like that. I'm just saying, if you are, you know what I'm talking about. I know what that is like. It is a miserable life to live. I just wonder tonight, is there someone here tonight that needs to go up to the God-man and say, I've lost my influence or I don't, have this, I don't have the power of God on me like I used to and I know it. And if God looked down to you and said, where did you lose it? Are you willing to take him by the hand and say, God, walk him through in your heart and see it happened right here in my life. I remember that night. Or I remember that day when I, you fill in the blank, when so-and-so tried to get me to do things that I, I knew was not uh, things pleasing to God, but I gave in that day and then, then the next day and, and, and right there or right there. Can, can you go back to a place in your life where you can remember five minutes before that time right there, God was working with me. But five minutes after that, I lost the power of God in my life. I lost his influence. I would just tell you tonight, God's such a loving God. God is so willing to restore the axe head. Amen. Only God can make iron float through water. Amen. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Now, if you're here tonight, you're serving, you're faithful, praise God. A little inventory wouldn't be bad, would it? Wouldn't be too bad to look at the end of the axe head and say, God, how are we doing? Is there anything I might not be seeing tonight? God, help me not to become so careless in my walk with God that I begin to lose the power of God in my life. I want God doing something in my life. If you just stopped and looked behind you or around you tonight, there's a lot of seats that need to be filled in here tonight, isn't there? I think God could use someone like you to reach your neighbors, your coworkers, your family. Of course he can. But you're not going to do it on your own. You're going to do it because God is working in your life. Would you be willing to let God have his way in your life this evening? I'm going to ask if you'd stand together with me. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. Nobody looking about. This is a time that we can just stop and reflect between me and God. And let God tap me on the heart. And, and speak very, very clearly to me. So let's pray here this evening. Father, thank you for your word. I, I thank you, God, for opening our eyes to your truths and to know that it is God that does the work in every one of our lives. It's God. If anything good was done, it was because of you. And I'm asking you tonight, Lord, would you 
Look into every one of our hearts. Give us a willingness, Lord, to do a little inventory tonight. Maybe even take you by the hand and, and kneel down with you and show you where we lost it and allow God to restore the strength and the power of God in our lives. Please work in our lives, we pray, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With our heads still bowed and eyes closed, hey guys, while the invitation begins tonight, if God happened to speak to your heart, as I said this morning, if God has tapped you on the heart about something uh, from the passage, from the Word of God tonight, while we sing tonight, as God speaks to your heart, are you willing to come and speak to the Lord? While we sing, let God have His way.